0: Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with Lebanon-based jazz bassist, composer, and educator, Makram Abul Hassan. We talked about his latest 2021 CD, Transmigration, Life in His Homeland, and his life in jazz along with much more until COVID, he was a frequent performer in the beirut music scene playing jazz rock classical and arabic music with different groups all within the same week he had so much to say about this new project his life in music and hope for the future get to know him enjoy the sun is shining thanks for taking a minute out today
1: oh it's my pleasure to be here
2: so i really really enjoyed your latest album And what I want to know about transmigration is it's coming out during a time on the planet where there's a pandemic and a lot of things that are in flux. Did you have any worries about when this was coming out or is this the right time?
1: Well, that's a pretty tough question. I mean, yeah, it is a terrible time for the world, but uh, especially where I'm from, it's a particularly terrible time because we're, uh, I don't know if you've been following the news or you heard about the things that have been happening in Lebanon. Um, So while I was writing the music and preparing it, uh, you know, we were going through like a total economic and political collapse and people were on the streets protesting and the whole country was shut down and then there was the epidemic, of course. Then in August, there was this huge explosion uh, you know, at the port of Beirut uh, Yeah I mean, you must have seen that, yeah Oh, yeah And that was really, really heartbreaking Because Lebanon is pretty tiny, man It's it's uh, smaller than the smallest state, you know, and, and, and in the U.S. An explosion like that feels like really It's really in the heart of the country it was really, really sad. and uh, A lot of people ask me, like, how were you able to write music during that time? Wow, it's it's great. And I think it's a misconception, because uh, if I didn't have music to write, I probably would have gone mad. So, yeah, this is the right time, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It couldn't be more right than this time. Did You know, I remember when I saw
2: that blast, I've never seen anything like that. Like, I remember showing my wife that night. I'm like, you know, there's been things that have happened like that. But that was something way beyond any comprehension. Did you feel that there?
1: Yes, and I mean, I live relatively far from from the port, uh, about um, 30, 35 kilometers, and there's like a mountain range that separates my village from the port, but we heard it loud and clear, and it was the most terrifying sound I heard in my life. Wow yeah and wow. even, you know even windows in our building like shattered and doors were you know blasted open that far wow that's mind-blowing man. Yeah, yeah
2: so yeah you know i think about that you know a few weeks ago texas the power grid went out we're going through the pandemic and that's the thing about life i mean all of these things no matter what continue to happen have things gotten any better there are you guys feeling any relief
1: I mean, uh, yeah, I heard about Texas a few days ago, and and that's that's so terrible. We had a, we ha- we're having a similar situation because uh, because we're going through an economic collapse, a pretty serious one. Like uh, the the government is just unable to import any more gasoline, so we're basically surviving on two hours of electricity a day. And we did have a snowstorm, but it's not as severe as the one that you know hit the states. So, so for like five days, we really had zero electricity, zero heating, and. Uh, I, I, I mean what can I say man it's, uh, it's a strange time to be a human being
2: anywhere on the planet Yeah it sure uh, is
1: Yeah no, nothing new here we're still uh, things are getting worse little by little but um I guess that gives us time to adapt but you know who who, who can tell
2: Yeah well, let's talk about something happy and hopeful like jazz which is why I love doing what I do with neon jazz and I want to know how did you get involved in jazz and in, in your corner of the world, how affluent is is jazz and how did you get involved with it?
1: Well, I mean, I started off uh, probably playing music when I was uh, fifteen years old, sixteen. Um, first of all, I mean the question is how did I start to listen to Western mu- music or English you know music or American music? And the answer to that is that I have a lot of cousins that live in the States And in Australia And uh, because there was like a mass migration In the early 1900s And um, so they would come back every summer With these really nice recordings Of, of, you know, ACDC from Australia My cousins And uh, others would get like Metallica records And, And I was growing up listening to these things Pink Floyd, Led Zeppelin so that's how I got into Western music, or at least Western modern music or rock music in the first place. I started to play the classical guitar, then I moved to bass guitar. From I was watching like this Pink Floyd documentary, and I remember the keyboardist, uh, Richard Wright, was uh, talking about his influences. And he said, well, on uh, this song, I, I stole a chord from the album Kind of Blue by Miles Davis. And I had no idea who was Miles Davis and what was, was the album. So I immediately found a way to get it. I think that was like the first contact with jazz. Uh, ever since I've just been collecting records and listening to the music and playing it. And that actually caused me to shift
2: from, from electric bass to double bass. What about the first live jazz show you saw? What was that like?
1: Wow. Uh, let, me, let me think if I... you know, Actually, I think the first live jazz show was, uh, was from a local band uh, who I ended up playing with. It was a keyboard player called Arthur Satyan, and he had his group, and uh, it was electric bass, keyboard, uh, drums, and percussion. And to me, it sounded like, pretty similar to, to like a Chikorea's electric band. And I was really into that, uh, just like uh, when I was like 23, 24. So I thought, man, you know, I really want to join that band somehow. And it did happen uh, a couple of years after. But that was the first show, and I felt like, you know, this music I only heard on records, and I only saw on DVDs or, or you know, YouTube channels. And when I saw it live, I was breathtaking completely.
2: Well, your album's quite impressive, and I want to know from you, what do you ultimately hope the listener gets from this artistic expression that you've put out?
1: Well, I mean, each track is different, really. Um, so it's pretty varied, I, I would say. I can I can answer that question track by track, but overall, um, just I guess a bit of relief, just forty minutes of of getting away into a fantasy world somehow, being able to tap your foot or or allow your brain to create images that are fun or uh, uh, whatever just to
0: to, to to get away from from <laughs> like the really strange times we're living. Yeah.
1: It's, it's pretty absurd.
2: <laughs> well, I know that happened for me. So I, I, I dig it. I appreciate it. You know, when I, when I talk to musicians from, you know, the United States and from around the world, I'll hear, you know, this jazz scene or that jazz scene, and sometimes my brain can kind of say, well, maybe I can imagine what it's like, but when I hear Beirut music scene, I'm not sure exactly what your scene is like, so kind of paint me a picture,
1: well, uh, in terms of a jazz scene, like it's a pretty small jazz scene. There's about, and this is like a rough estimation. I'd say thirty musicians. Mm, at the moment, I'm the only double bass player. It's usually like that, you know. It's usually like somebody will come in from from another country, and you'll have like at the peak of the, uh, you know, the booming of the jazz scene, we had like three bass players and. Four guitar players and a couple of keyboard keyboard players and some drummers and a couple of singers, horn players. That's it. So um, it's a pretty small scene, and as is the case, you know, like we do different collaborations, different groups. Uh, we play all over uh, the city, which is really quite alive in terms of uh, nightlife. Uh, there's a lot of uh, pubs and clubs, and uh, jazz was pretty much in demand, you know, before the, the whole shutdown thing. And it was pretty lucky and pretty weird actually because, um, you know, like it's so far away from, from where jazz is from, but it's pretty happening here. The only like the downside was the lack of, of uh, abundance of musicians. It would have been better if there was a lot of musicians. But other than that, it was uh, the level was pretty decent and, and uh, there were a lot of gigs.
2: You know, the other thing that I realized reading about. Uh, transmigration is you received a grant from the Arab arts and uh, Arab Arab funds for arts and culture. And I think about the increasing in this world we live in now, the increasing importance that government's going to play in supporting the arts. How did it feel to get a grant like this? And is that kind of a commonplace thing in Beirut and where you're from to get something like this, get support like this?
1: It's, it's not common at all, actually. This uh, the Arab Funds for uh, Arts and Culture is an uh, independent, like a, sort of a non governmental organization.
2: Oh, okay. Uh,
1: yeah, it's um, the government doesn't support uh, arts. In, you know, I try not to sound like I'm nagging, but <laughs> it's, it's very hard not to. Just stating the facts can sound like complaining sometimes, but sure. Uh, the government's just so corrupt, it's so overrun by corruption, and, and everybody is just you know, wants to uh, make as much money as they can and just not do anything for the people. And that's why we are at the point of uh, no return, basically. And it's been like that since uh, the early 90s, even before, just after the Civil War ended in 1990. So the government's concern is really not the arts whatsoever. Basically, the Ministry of Culture is non-existent. So to get this grant at this time, uh, I actually got it just before, like six months before uh, Corona, like the whole lockdown thing. So it was one thing then. And then the fact that I had this grant and the whole world was shut down and I could sit down in my room and like concentrate all my energy into creating rather than be absorbed into, you know, the chain of negative events.
2: It was an absolute blessing. Absolute blessing. It almost sounds like the world that you're in and the non-reliance on the arts is what we endured with Donald Trump for four years. Is that so? Oh, it was was dark. It was grim. He did nothing for anything. It was all about him. It was all about his power. It's all about his lies. It's all about... I'm not trying to be negative either, but you just got to state it for what it is. And um, now that there's new blood in the White House... Um, it's somebody that genuinely loves the arts and that is turning things around from the uh, delusion that we all lived through for the last four years.
1: Well, that's that's at least something, some good news. But imagine, like, what you feel about with, uh, with Donald Trump. We have a, we have about 128 of him in power. Yeah, in a very small country, in a very small country, and they're all bickering at each other. So, wow. <laughs> It's
2: different. I, I feel for you. I mean, and you're talking about this has been going on since 1990. You know, that's that's yeah, that's insane. And you know, from where I'm at and keeping up with global events, you know, I I mean, especially after the explosion, Lebanon was kind of under the world microscope of like, you know, how did this happen, and how did Russia have anything to do with it? And the, lots of things started getting analyzed, but I think the general sentiment was, it's another one of the countries that is a part of the commonwealth out there that is just totally spiraling because of greed and corruption and darkness and you know just not wanting to look out for the people and i think that's one thing that america was starting to feel very frightened about donald trump because that's the kind of thing he wants he doesn't care about us he never did he only cares about himself and when you see that in such a stark light, it's frightening, and and
1: um, it's very disturbing. Yeah, yeah. That, that somebody wa- that somebody like that wants to have power over yeah a mass of human beings is, is very frightening indeed. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, I, I will tell you this: the one thing, if 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 this makes you feel any better. In a very small way, you know, since the pandemic began, I was wondering how many CDs I would get in the mail, I was wondering how this would transpire, and I've consistently got music, and I'm getting more and more music now, and it'll fluctuate, sometimes I won't get one for a few days, and then other times I get flooded, but when I saw yours, and I immediately saw the art, and I immediately put it in, it felt good, like you said, so I think from what you're doing in your corner of the world you're ramming up against the darkness and you're creating light for the rest of the world and we're talking about
1: you know that's so nice of you to say joe wow thank you so much
2: sure yeah i mean and and you're talking you know you're we're 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 an unbelievable amount of distance away from each other right now and we're talking about your music so um i think that's a that, that's a very positive thing. Indeed, indeed. The one thing that's good about your life is that you get to be a musician. When you wake up every day, what do you look forward to the most as a creative creature?
1: Well, I just wake up every day and see what the world has to offer me. And sometimes the world is just my living room. But I just wake up and see... What grabs my attention in that room, you know? Uh, I do have a small library, I might pick up a book and say, oh, I've never read this book and just open it. I might just pick up the base and, and whatever comes out, if I like what's happening, then I'll take that and work on it all day. I found that just, to, especially since the lockdown, I found that to be the best way for me to, uh, to just go about life, like really wake up every day with little as 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 possible uh, planning and requirements and just see what the world has to give you know it keeps me alert it keeps me vital and like hopefully you know hopeful in a way so mostly it's it's about um i do also a lot of like exercises and i go outdoors and walk and, and look for inspiration in different places in people you know having conversations with people uh visiting old friends so it's just day by day really
2: the one thing that i find magical anytime i hear a story like yours with you know you had a liaison that got you music from the western world which was you know hard rock and heavy metal and then and even just rock and roll with pink floyd and miles davis is kind of blue just created so many jazz seeds in the world and the fact that you're a jazz musician why do you love jazz what is it about jazz that you love so much
1: Oh, I, I never, I don't know if I ever asked myself that question. Let's, let's see if I can answer that in a convincing way. First of all, the sound, like on, a, on, on the most superficial level, just the sound of it. There's something that, that, that grasped me at, I guess it's the rhythm really. Uh, And it took me a very long time to understand that. In fact, yesterday I was trying to teach a friend of mine who's a rock guitar player. Uh, We've been friends for 20 years, but we haven't met in a pretty long time. So I sat down and I was trying to teach him uh, a very old tune, like a Louis Jordan tune called uh, You Run Your Mouth and I'll Run My Business. I was trying to teach him that song and I realized that he just couldn't understand the rhythm of it. He, He never got it until he tried to tap his foot and sing along. And he was like, what? He's singing all between the beats. He doesn't have a single note on the beat. So I think that's something that, that grasped me without me being able to identify it. The, the rhythm and how, you know, people are just interweaving between the rhythms and you feel like there's something steady, but at the same time, everything's just dancing. Uh, the expression, the looseness of it, uh, but at the same time, there's some kind of seriousness to it like it's playful but it's serious it's it's not like a circus or or something light that you just doesn't affect you but uh it just has a way of getting in that's not as um daunting as an orchestra for example or a symphonic work it it just seeps in, in in a much more natural unconscious way somehow that's how i feel about it i guess
2: So my final question is this, and it is everyone has an idea of who they think you are, your family, your friends, your fans, but you're the one that wakes up every day and lives your life. Who do you think you are?
1: I'm still trying to find out, Joe. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. (laughs) I'm really still trying to find out, and uh, you know, the clues into who I am are always out there in the world, And, 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 um, and the people that I enjoy uh, being around, and very much in the people that I don't like being around, and the books that I like reading, and then the books that I don't like, and the, the movies, the music—these are the best clues. But especially books for me were um, huge on on trying to um, at least helping me form a, an image of myself that is self-formed, not as you uh, suggested in the beginning. Because you know, I grew up the first eighteen years going to school and just. Living based on people telling me who I am and who I'm supposed to be, but something always about that just I didn't like. And um, what I didn't like about it, uh, the fact that I didn't like it, I mean, came out in the uh, in my behavior at school. Like I was uh, always the kid who, who was causing trouble in class, always the kid in detention, always the kid um, you know with the just enough grades to pass. And I always had problems with authority, uh, not in any lawful sense, but I didn't like ever being told what to do without justification, Uh, you know, just like somebody telling you what you're supposed to do just because they said uh, that they are in that position. So um, I think who I am keeps changing, and I always try to catch up with it. Uh, it's either that or I've been wrong all my life
2: who I am is not who I really am yeah well I think it's always a work in progress but man that was a great answer thank you for opening up about your life and music and what's going on in your world I hope things get better and uh, you know I hope for a return to the stage and an immediacy good luck with
1: the album I hope so, too, man. It was really nice talking to you.
0: Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest cats in Lebanon, Kansas City, and spots all over the world, giving fans all that jazz. And thanks to Makram for his time, honesty, and stories. If you want to hear more interviews, go to famous interviews with Joe Domino in the iTunes store. Visit NeonJazz at YouTube.com, and for everything Neon Jazz all the time, go to the NeonJazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends.
1: Neon Jazz.